Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hello, this is Dr. Abeen Banish. Welcome to the Wholehearted Healer podcast. This week, I interview Octavia Rahim, and so I just want to share a little bit of her background with you. Octavia Rahim is a mother, author of Gather, and the new book, Pause, Rest, Be, activist, and an experienced yoga teacher and practitioner. She began practicing yoga in 1999 and has been teaching since 2007. She founded Starshine and Clay, an online and retreat space for Black, Indigenous, and women of color to to rest and restore. Born and raised in Gainesville, Georgia, her spirituality encompasses the universe and is very much anchored in the heart and soul of the sacred community she was raised in, Greater Timber Ridge Baptist Church. Octavia has a distinctive voice, one that is wise, otherworldly, and also familiar. Her teaching is grounded in her roots and real-life experience as a woman learning to love herself, as well as center her well-being and transformation via yoga, rest, meditation, and yoga nidra. Her words are a glowing fire that everyone can gather around. And I really loved our conversation. I found her to be just so warm and down-to-earth. And before we get to that, I just want to mention that my spring circle... Uh, The theme this spring is flow, resonance, and your intuition begins shortly. It begins March 7th, and if you're at all interested, I would love for you to consider it. And so I will um, link the information and sign up in the show notes. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Miss Octavia Rahim. Okay, so welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. I'm so excited today to have um, just a really special guest, Octavia Rahim, on with us. And um, Octavia's book, Gather, really was a balm for me during, really for the past two years. It is a book that, it's this small but mighty book um, that I have referred to again and again. I I have given it as gifts to friends. I have taught from it. Um, and this woman just has so much wisdom. So I'm excited for this conversation. Hello, Octavia. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. So I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So, you know, this book for me, um, it just felt like medicine really in the best way for me. And Mm -hmm. Um, I'm someone who I'm trained as a physician. I'm a mother of four kids. And there was a period in my life where I was really burned out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I know what that feels like. And your book, I just wish I had had it 10 years ago. And I wish that Mm -hmm. podcast, but I just feel like it is this great wisdom. Um, And so I want to say thank you, first of all, for your work in the world. You are so welcome. 
Thank you for sharing that. And you're amazing. <laughs> you know, when, I, when you said four kids, I wanted to just bow and say, okay, <laughs> this creates some context. Um, hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so your new book, which I have been attempting to savor, although I've read it cover to cover more than once already, Pause, Rest, Be. I loved it because it offers a little bit, it offered me a little bit more context um, about you. And I wondered if you could, sometimes when um, teachers write about, you know, their offering in the world, and in your case, I feel like your, your medicine, your gospel is rest. We have this misunderstanding that you have always been that way, that you arrived knowing how to rest. Mm, I loved yeah. your, your kind of origin story around this. Could you, could you talk yeah. about that? Yeah. You know, so I think it, it, I do think it's interesting that we think, oh, you teach about joy. You must always be happy, <laughs> you know, because the flip side of that, that I've come to realize is that most of us as practitioners, we are offering the medicine we need. Um, I teach rest to stay close to the hem of rest, right? Because I know that I can go far, far astray from it. And um, I talk about it in Paul's Recipe in the introduction that my initiation into I need to rest was literally forged in a hospital bed where I'd been hospitalized for rhabdomyolysis, which is this condition of overusage of muscles. Right? Um, and to and I'm not an ultra marathon runner. I'm not an Olympic level uh, weightlifter yet. I'm here with this condition that is rare for anyone outside of these very demanding kind of physical um, feet type of um, endeavors to have. Um, but I feel like if that tells you anything about who I am, even who I have been and who I am, it does. Right. Like my day would look like get up and work out at 435, 30 a.m., take a run home, take a two minute shower, drink a green smoothie or something, run out to my full time job. That wasn't I mean, the, the hours were eight hour days, but my hours were 10 to 12. Right? And then I had a part time job of teaching yoga. I'd go do that. And then I still had to do, I had to, in air quotes, do my very strenuous yoga practice. So now I'm at 11 a.m. at night, 11 p.m. at night, if not midnight. And I do that cycle over and over and over again until I land in a hospital. And um, I didn't just arrive at that place of incessantly doing overnight. And I have not arrived at this place of yielding to the gospel of rest. I love that you called it that. Overnight, they both were processes. There were processes that let me into this overprivileging of productivity, can't stop, won't stop, until I literally am knocked down to the ground and in a hospital bed. And what led me out of it, and part of what led me out of that place is I met a nurse slash angel in the hospital who sat on my bed, like she moved out of the realm of, I'm just, I'm the nurse here, right? And she did, she was no longer just kind of like administering to my body. She ministered to my heart and my soul because she was like, you look, and again, in air quotes, so healthy and you are in here. And she's like, and I see you. And I see your fear, you know, and I see your pain. And I'm like, what? You know, like you just manage 
the IV, right? Like I got really, like I was really upset that she was seeing me and seeing through me. And what she saw through, she just was like, why are you afraid of slowing down? Like what, she asked me what I was running from. She was like, why are you doing all these things? Like, why are you, it's like you're rushing, you're running, you're doing the most. And she gave me this scripture, which I live by, I walk with daily now, which is be still and know is Psalms 46.10. And, you know, so I always say this devotion I have to rest was conceived in a hospital bed. And I don't want anyone else to have to learn or come to rest that way. And the reality is most of us are brought to it kicking and screaming in some way. There's an illness, there's a tragedy, there's a burnout, there's a breakdown, there's a, I I have got to stop right now. And I'm interested in us choosing rest before it demands that we choose it. (laughs) I love that. And and I also love that you, that you share that it's a process because, you know, I was in that place of total burnout, my body, I kept on getting, you know, infections and illness Mm. and, um, we do, we, we kind of override sort of sometimes that small voice inside us Mm -hmm. that that knows the way, but we just, we just don't want to give up these patterns. And so to have compassion for ourselves. And I think that's really in, Mm -hmm. in your writing, it's like this compassionate self voice that we remember that like a lot of your writing, when I read it, it brings tears to my eyes. When I share it with people, it brings this like emotion that rises up, I think, because it's this part of us that's just been sort of waiting to be heard. Mm, Yeah. Waiting to be heard. Yeah. You use the word override and, and, um, I've just been thinking a lot about how intuition, wisdom, things that we attribute to the feminine, which is more than gender, right? Um, we like structurally, systemically, there are ways that we are taught to override those and conditioned to override those and rewarded for overriding them, even when it's Mm self-betrayal, right? And and, um, rest is a practice of receiving. It's a practice of reception and allowance and all of these things that I I say it requires courage because I believe it takes incredible courage to be vulnerable and to to not do or to go against the grain. And there are so many ways that we just dismiss that which has gotten deemed the the feminine, you know. Um, And a rest practice is going to immediately, not immediately, but over time, cause us to tune in to the still small voice and that still small voice is going to give us guidance that will surely change the trajectory of our life, you know? And so that's what I realized as I laid in that hospital bed that I was like, Oh, and if I can say this word, shit's about to get real. Right. You know, and I was just on with the community college earlier today. Um, leading a group of um, will-be educators. So they're in a school of education at Georgia Perimeter College. And I led them in some some meditation. And afterwards, some of them were like, that was incredible. And some of them were like, that was really confrontational. 
that was holy smokes, right? You know, as long as we're in motion and we're just point A, B, next thing, next thing, next thing, we don't actually have to, you know, look at and contend with who we are, what we are, or even where we're actually going, right? And how we're getting there. And and I realized that for me, my incessant doing was a way for me to, um, there are many ways we can numb out. It was one of my ways of numbing. Absolutely. Um, of not really facing what I was avoiding was like, what are my true desires? What are my deeper dreams? What are my hopes? You know, what are what are my fears? What are my longings? You know, um, as long as I just stayed busy, I didn't have to think about or feel. I didn't have to feel the depth of any of that. Hmm. Right. I mean, because when we do pause and when we slow down, there are things, I love how you talk about courage. So your book, um, I was part of a really beautiful sangha last year and it was called Untraining. And um, mm. they were about, it was run by um, one of my teachers, Jessica Patterson. And we were looking at, we were really facing um, some systemic, you know, looking at causes of, um, of bias and having to mm. face some things in ourselves and, and facing together mm. is takes takes work. And so your book to do that work, to look individually and collectively at patterns and um, ways of being mm. requires rest because it's hard work. You know, it's yeah. And rest is receptive. It's allowance. It's an, it's a practice of integration mm-hmm. and digestion. And without it, it's, it's like just consuming, 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 and no processing, right? You know, so rest, you know, allows us the space and opportunity to rest, digest, and integrate experience. And um, that's not always comfortable. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not, but it's, it's necessary. I think in this moment that we're at, I mean, we've you know, we've been in this moment a long time, but um, hmm. resting rather than running is, is so required. And I, I just wonder hmm. if we can just pause and, because I think a lot of the ways that many of us think we're resting, right? So we hmm. get home from a long day of work and we turn on Netflix and we kind of numb out or we scroll on our phones. The ways that we think that we're resting are actually not resting our nervous system at all. Yeah. So can you actually speak to what you, what rest means to you, that word? Yeah. What I, what I heard you just say um, is we might be changed, you know, we might be changing the channel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the TV is still on, right? And, And it's not restorative, right? And so I think about rest in a, in a lot of different ways and, um, I think about rest as something that allows us to begin to rest our senses, right? Relest, you know, I keep saying rest is um is receiving. And if we're still in a mode where we're having to really listen to something or follow even, you know, excessive amount of cues or process anything with our eyes, any of that stuff, it's not necessarily 
it can feel restorative, but it might not be as deeply or fully restorative as possible. And I teach restorative practices, yoga-based practices like restorative yoga, yoga nidra, and meditation. And, you know, one simple way I define rest is one thing at a time. And that means if I'm sitting in this chair, I'm sitting in a chair. (laughs) Right now I'm talking to you and sitting in a chair and I am really only talking to you. I'm not trying to open another tab. I'm not trying to get into my phone. I'm not even wondering about those things, right? And, you know, I also do things like take walks that are restorative. And what I mean by restorative walk is no, as lovely as this podcast is, it's an amazing podcast. Right? I don't necessarily listen to podcasts when I walk in the woods. I just let myself walk in the woods. I let myself hear the crunch of the gravel or dirt or leaves beneath my feet. And, and so I think about rest also as unplugging. Right? And so if there's a device involved, <laughs> And it's not necessarily like a practice or some kind of specific guidance. I'm like, well, I'm just taking in more information. Okay, now I'm in the comparative loop or now I'm in the let me go click some more links to find out about this or that person, you know. Um, And so I think, yes, human, we're going to veg out sometimes with our phone or computer or or the show. But those things are still giving us uh, inputs that ultimately need to be processed. You know, and like through the last two years, I've gotten so really uh, specific and intentional about what I allow in, right? I cannot, I'm like certain shows, I cannot watch it because at this point, my nervous system is like, is that really happening? Should I be running? You know, like, you know, like I've never really, you know, I don't watch certain things. I don't listen to certain things um, because I really understand how it just creates something else for me to begin to have to process through and have a new integration process for. So in short, rest is not multitasking. (laughs) It's like one thing at a time. Um, And there's such an efficiency to that. I don't know if you've had this experience. I'm like, I don't believe in multitasking first and foremost. (laughs) I think it's distracted tasking. And I often experience that the thing that takes me when I'm in quotations, multitasking an hour to do could have been done in five to 10 minutes. If I would have just focused my attention and awareness, right. Done that and then moved on. And so um, rest is that, which is uh, restorative. (laughs) And I would say something that really feels like less, not more. And I notice how anything I do, I notice like this conversation can be restorative, right? You know, even as I'm on this book tour and um, talking to folks and choosing who to be in conversation and community with, part of it is like noticing how my nervous system responds to a request in my inbox and really trusting that (laughs) and giving myself permission to follow that as a thread um, versus the kind of background programming that's saying, just take it all, do it all, get more exposure for your book. And I'm like, well, I try, I try, I trust the teachings. I trust this process, right? 
And so just also I invite people to notice how, you know, if you scroll for 20 minutes, do you look up from your computer and feel like you've been in a casino at Las Vegas (laughs) and you're really kind of start to feel a little distorted and more tired, your eyes hurt, like notice actually how the thing you're doing that you're like, well, this is how I rest. Notice how it feels, right? Um, And I let that extend to so many things, people, music, like I just pay attention to the after effects of whatever it is. And then part of me decides, you know, like, was that actually restful or restorative? But one thing at a time, (laughs) if possible, and I actually think it is more possible than we allow it to be. Yeah. And I, I love that idea of the efficiency of rest, right? So in my medical training, um, it's gotten a little better since I trained, but I mean, it was right. It was, there was almost like you wore a badge. The more you mm-hmm. multitask, the more you could do and rest was seen as like a collapse, right? You, mm-hmm. um, and so, and yet exactly what you're saying, like when we are rested, first of all, our brain is more efficient. Our, yeah. our soul is more efficient. And That's right. I love that the wisdom of your knowing kind of takes the driver's seat. And so we're getting these messages all the time. We're getting these intuitive nudges, mm. but we need to be rested to even hear the whisper or notice the nudge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, mm. yeah, this idea that rest is for, is, is a weakness. Mm-hmm. Who does that actually serve? you know I'm like who does someone is benefiting from the collective believing that and that very same person that might be benefiting from that or entity or system is likely resting the whole time right you know that makes any you know um and (laughs) yeah we are rewarded for not resting in the external world and on the inside we pay dearly Right. We pay dearly. Um. I was really excited in your new book. First of all, it's just such a beautiful offering. And I love the, I love the practices that you offer. Um, I think, and I write about the liminal space quite a bit. And I, Mm -hmm. so when I saw the, the middle section of your book, I felt, I felt really happy because I feel as if um, so this liminal space, the way I define it is sort of the no longer and not yet when we've sort of left the shore and we can't see it anymore, but we haven't reached the other side. And, um, two of my kids have gone to college. I still have two at home, but I can sense this transitioning, this changing, even of my role as a mother. And I Mm -hmm. see it in some of my dear friends as well. This, this period when, um, like what was is no longer and sort of looking. And, and so you wrote, um, I I Mm. marked it here. Well, your prayer for the liminal space just is so beautiful and is something that I will refer to again and again, but on page, do you mind if I read a little something or would you? Yeah. Um, Yeah. On page 63, or whatever you would like to read about the liminal space, if there's something that you feel drawn, the prayer is on 82, but I had earmarked page 63. Yeah, um, 
the thought I had. I'm, I want you to know I'm a little bit silly. I was like, we could have a read a lot. Like you could read a lot. I could read a lot. <laughs> I used to be an eighth grade teacher and I, you know, I'd love to do me some like round robin reading, but I'll read page 63. Um, you are in an unfamiliar place. You meticulously packed your bags for the journey. You thought you had a map, compass or guide. It turns out that you only have your senses. If that is all you have, trust, it is enough. Yeah, that one just gets me. I mean, like tears come to my eyes and I, right? Because we, this leaning in and trusting, even when the world feels sometimes like it's falling apart or our individual roles are kind of shifting and falling, mm-hmm. falling away, maybe a better word to say it. And um that message of enoughness. I mean, it's all just Mm. so beautiful. Mm. And it's also, you know, I say there, your senses are enough. And if your senses are overloaded with distractions, then you don't believe they are enough or you don't have your fullest access to them. Right. And I think like in the liminal space, like we need, we need, we need that. (laughs) We, you know, we need fuller access to ourselves in our senses and um, ultimately moving into the sense of like intuition, like the sight that is beyond the two-eyed sight. Um, and I love that you define the liminal as the no longer and not yet. That's how I define it too, right? You, you know, you, you can't turn back. Don't quite know what's ahead. Um, and the truth is we're kind of always kind of pulsating in and out of that place. And it is the it is the pause. It's the place between opening this tab and starting this meeting and then closing it. It's that place that exists. It's the space between the inhale and the exhale. Um, it's also a place of possibility, right? The a way we often des- describe these little moments in between or when they're big moments in between we use the word uncertain. <laughs> it's so uncertain. And then Lately, I've just been thinking, whatever is certain, you know, (laughs) whatever is certain in the way we want it to be yet where, and part of why we're calling it uncertain is like it lacks definition, a role is shifting, it's not as firm and all of those things. And that also represents possibility that we can make a really different choice, right? So we, the the liminal is like at the edge of uncertainty and possibility too. And that is the discomfort within it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. And we can, we can shape it. We can define it. Anything can be possible from that threshold of the liminal. Yeah, and I think our tendency, well, maybe I shouldn't generalize, my tendency um, tends to be to want to kind of rush through it, you know, um, want it to want it to go from amorphous to defined. And in that way it does, I'm I'm maybe limiting, right. Because if I can Mm. rest into it, if I can just settle in and use my senses, something Mm. beautiful may emerge. I mean, that's what quantum science tells us, right. That something Mm. really unexpected may rise. Yeah. Yeah, the word, the two words came to mind, uh, the pregnant pause, right? There's, there's something there, right? Like, let it gestate. 
And I think we probably can generalize. Most of us see that like the liminal, the way I wrote about it in the book is like something, you know, I did, I started with endings, then Mm -hmm. I move into the liminal space, then I go to beginnings. And, and yeah, most of the time we get to that in-between space, which is like, press the gas, let's go. (laughs) And I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop in this valley, right? Um, Just get, get me where's next. And, and sometimes we do speed out of the valley to reach a dead end and and end up right back in the valley because there's a lesson in there. Uh, We need to rest in there. There's something to remember in there. Like there's, there's a reason. Um, So you know, before we pressed our card, we were talking about practitioners, people mm-hmm. who identify and do work that is healing um, and supporting wellness of other people. And you were, you know, you were talking about how there's this tendency, even within this field that we play in, to um, give and give and give and give and give. And you you use the metaphor of a dried out plant. Mm-hmm. And I have to love that metaphor. And um, I used to be that way. And now I'm like, well, I want to be showing up from like a really succulent and juicy place. (laughs) And um, someone recently asked me, they were like, is there an irony in that your book is Pause Recipe and launch month? You know, like whether you're launching a program or a new business or a book. Are people into the world? It can be a hectic moment. And she was like, so tell me for real, like, how's it, you know, um, are you resting? And I was like, it is the priority, you know, and I'm very um, proud of the, the wisdom and the insight and the trust and the journey that brought me to a place where my book matters so much to me and I want hundreds of thousands of people to read these words and just I'm really trusting the teachings right in the book and like just within the the practice to support I'm like this is a nerd I want I want the process to be nourishing and it can right like I think I've been thinking about a lot is that effort doesn't have to mean hard Mm -hmm. You know, effort can be soft. It can be (laughs) easy. It can be lingering. Like we always usually pair hard and effort, hard and work. And I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be that way. And just in terms of practitioners, I think there's an actual danger in being a haggard healer, (laughs) right? You know, and I like, I kind of laughing from the discomfort of like, if I think back to myself, maybe um, 10 years ago, I was talking to my husband about this. I was like, do you remember that I used to, on Saturdays, I would teach a, a 10.30 yoga class, a noon class, a 2 o'clock and 4.30, and sometimes a 6 p.m.? And he was like, I think I maybe blanked that out, <laughs> you know? And, and, I am, and I mean, like, I was, like, showing up, and then I'd be so drained. Even and I love I loved it, you know. And I'm like, so as practitioners, we have to find a way, um, and there is a way to make sure that the place that we are giving from is from the overflow of our being, not the last drops. 
you know, and what that looks like for me in this season of launching a book, having a kindergartner, which is like, it feels like a big deal, like kindergarten. I'm like, this is a big deal. You know, like it might as well be 12th grade, right? Um, just in terms of like his emotional transition, like all these other things start happening for a little being when they're five years old and in kindergarten, especially through this year and season. I have a business, I have other projects, like I have all these things happening. And I prioritize rest, right? I prioritize the practices that fuel me and fuel me and that allow me to, to show up and be in the deep without feeling completely drained. Um, and so I just wanted to circle, circle back to that, to underscore that those of us who do healing work or anything where like the premise is to support people in being well to you know if you have four spots open on your calendar maybe shift something and only have three in a day you know like to find ways to be like this doesn't have to be this way um it doesn't have to be so so hard and so draining Yeah, just in you speaking, I felt like a real resonance in the heart space. And I love what you said about giving from an abundance rather than, you know, that houseplant analogy for me, (laughs) because, you know, I, um, I really try hard with plants. There's one behind me and um, it's beautiful too. (laughs) I've I've grown a little bit with my green thumb, but I have a long way to go. But, you know, um, back when I was working so hard, I would try to keep plants and I would you know, they would completely dry out and then I would try to revive them and the water would just, they couldn't even hold water. So Mm. the idea that, you know, the more juicy or buoyant you are, the more truly you have to offer. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Way of thinking about it. Mm. Yeah. And that the, the messaging that many of us, well, that society really has given us that, you know, I, I love that that effort equals hard work, and that it has to be hard, and you have to grind for things. Like that, that that the divine feminine way looks very different, mm. and may be more efficient. Yeah, right. In in this season, and also I think the other way things have been done has created incredible harm yeah. for so many of us. I was on a <clears throat> Uh, a stop on my virtual book tour yesterday and I did a talk, I did a reading and then I did a practice and we're recording this, you know, February 28th, 2022 to be super exact. And um, there's a lot happening nationally and internationally that's devastating. And someone asked me what, I mean, how can we be resting with so much suffering? And, and I hold that with deep, deep compassion and I and I hold also in my bones the knowing that it is the overtaxation and the overprivileging of productivity over people that has created the level of suffering we're experiencing right now. And I don't say that simply to be like, and rest is the answer, because that's too simplistic. I do think what rest does for the nervous system, what rest does for the body what rest does for the mind and then the state of consciousness and how we operate from that place, what the rest, what rest does for the heart, 
and spirit and how it reconnects us to the the light of our own soul. I'm like, yeah, I actually do think part of the remedy for the travesties of this current human experience is rest. And then just kind of not flippantly, but I still been thinking about it. And I was like, you know, if you are focusing on rest and refuge, can you create more? You know, um, if you are in a practice of deep care for self and the collective, can you create the level of harm, you know, that so, so many folks are, or that some country's leadership are doing right now? You know, and I'm like, these seem like simple questions, but I'm like, they're, they're not actually. Like, can you take a life that you care about in the physical and cosmic sense. Can you do that? You know, and um, rest restores our relationship to our humanity as a, a being and as worthy simply because we exist. And that changes how we interact with other people. Other people are not objects. <laughs> you know, other people are not means of making more or capitalizing on. And I do feel like rest is part of the answer for how we alleviate alleviate some of the suffering, right? Conscious, intentional rest. I'm like, hell yeah, that can that can support the alleviation of suffering. And then the other way I was thinking about how rest can uh, alleviate suffering is in rest. I have space to dream and to imagine, and I have access to visions, right? And ways of seeing that are not readily available to me on the surface of my life, right? And what I mean by that is like the solutions I come up with from rest, and I don't go to rest to come up with a solution, but it just arrives, right? You know, there are many times I go into meditation and there's something on my mind that I'm like, I just can't figure this out. And I sit, I use my mantra, I do my practice and I come out and I journal and then there's another way forward. And I think so much of the chaos of the moment has been um, constructed out of, we're just doing, we're just doing. No one is pausing to digest or integrate experience and then um, listen for another way forward. Yeah, it, it has been a a hard few days um, across the world. And what do you say, Octavia? How do you, you know, someone who maybe doesn't have um, a daily practice, someone whose nervous system is ramped? How do you mm. how do you prescribe or where do they begin? Mm. Yeah, and I honor that that is many folks. I really honored that that is many folks and um, listening to this. <laughs> and here's why I say that, because what I'm noticing is that we're kind of like regulated in a down tempo, right? Like, I don't know if you feel that. Like, I'm like, I, I'm breathing easy. This feels good, right? And I don't start with pausing when I rest with people who have been really revved up or they live extremely high stress demanding lives or even in my own process, 
when I realized, oh, I need rest. Coming directly into stillness was actually incredibly jarring. Yes. Felt like it sparked more trauma even. And then when I backed out of trying to force myself to be still, I realized that first I just needed to slow down, (laughs) right? Meaning like if I'm a person that I'm constantly 18 tabs open, constantly multitasking, okay, let's say if I'm a 20 tasker, let's let's see if we can do 18. (laughs) Like I believe in the scaffolding method, right? Meaning, um, and I think some people can go from a hundred to zero, but I think most of us that that's going to be incredibly jarring. So it's first just like notice the full impact of how you are being right in your doing of the most. First, it's like, and for me, it was like, I, I had to contend with it when I'm up in a hospital bed and I go, wow. Like until that moment, I didn't have the full impact of how truly, how much pain I was in, how much pain I was creating and that this wasn't a sustainable way to go forward. Right. <laughs> and so in the small doses in this bed, I had to realize that. And I would say, start with a little bit less of doing, start with a safe no, because sometimes we're not resting because there's so many things we're saying yes to. I'll say, start with a safe no, meaning where you're like, there's a lot of love here. I can say no to this person and it, it'll it be an easy no, because there are some no's that are extremely hard or have huge consequences, right? And then the other thing is just start with slowing down versus coming to stillness, because slowing down, even just your movements is going to be restorative. Um, start with one walk without listening to music or anything. Um, Start with eating slow. Start with having a conversation with someone you care about and not being distracted. Right? These are all restorative things, right? Um, Start with sitting in a chair (laughs) and drinking a cup of tea for one minute without doing anything else. And I literally mean a minute. Set a timer, right? And then you just see, and then you work, you build the capacity for more slowness, for more stillness, for more full presence, um, because this requires capacity, right? Just like if we were lifting weights, we're not going to start with, you know, 200 pounds, not most of us, right? We're going to slowly work up and, and build capacity over time. And just, it is very helpful for me to think about all of this as process, not there's somewhere to be, <laughs> you know, like the, the place to be is like where you are and then be, be a student of the process, be deeply curious about the process. So I hope that maybe sounds helpful and practical. Absolutely. And I think what comes through is compassion, right? Because, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're going a hundred miles an hour, to slam on the brakes and, and stop is, is yes, traumatic. That's right. that's right. And so, you know, cause a lot of times I hear from friends or students, you know, I just can't do this. I can't meditate. I can't my mind mm. that way. Right. Well, if, if you've been going a hundred miles an hour, then mm. slowing down to 70 is still restorative. That's right. That's right. It's relative, right. You know, and at some point <laughs> we, are, you know, laying in Shavasana or practicing a restorative pose for 20 minutes. And we're like, wow, I'm here, you know? Um, 
So I think that's a way. That's a way. A really simple practice I like is uh, when I wake up in the morning, because I, with the when my son was really young, I didn't wake up and boom, my feet hit the floor and I'm running, you know, I'm picking him, you know, like I just, there was always this jarring start. And then when I was a public school teacher, jarring start. And then when I taught like 30 yoga classes a week <laughs> and now, you know, it occurred to me, I was like, you, you can take five breaths here. You're not, you're not so busy that you cannot lay in this bed and take three to five breaths and then start. And I think that is like a really beautiful way to, to practice presence and stillness and pausing and resting and being is to, when your eyes open, notice that they're open and you're transitioning from sleep to wake and pause right there and just connect to your body and your breath. Carry on now. Yeah, my Jessica Patterson, one of my teachers in her classes, she always says, you know, most injuries happen in transition, right? So one thing to another. So I love that, that beautiful, just Mm. simple slowdown, just be aware I'm going from sleeping to entering my day consciously Mm. feels restorative. Yeah. 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 This might feel a little silly. But, you know, and I I have done this when I'm trying to help myself honor that there's already there's a pause between everything. Right. So also this messaging of like pausing is like there's a pause between everything. My teaching and encouragement is notice if you need to pause to be a little bit longer. You know, there's a natural pause in everything. And sometimes the pause between Friday and Monday is not long enough. And I need Tuesday, right? You know, and that's rather dramatic. But just to notice, like, we're going to get off this recording and to, or like, if someone's listening to notice when it ends, if they immediately pick up their device and try to go to something else, or if there's a natural pause there, can you just hold that pause for? another breath, another two breaths, right? But something that that I do when I'm trying to, when I need to make it plain for myself, because I feel myself getting very worked up, I might go, and now I'm closing the computer. And then I'm going to go get some. Like I have to name, here's what I was doing. Here's what I'm going to do after. But it helps me remember that there's something in between and that I have a choice in that moment to linger in the pause or to speed into the next thing. So talk it out loud. <laughs> That's what I was saying. You know how you would do with the two-year-old? Like I used to tell my son, and my son, like, you know, he 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 settles down a lot if there's a, an awareness of like, this is what we're doing in in, a, in 10 minutes, we'll do this. You know, like that, that kind of awareness. I remember that like when my um when my youngest was in preschool, I would walk in sometimes to help and you know they're 15 kids and they're all doing that because they know what's next. They have time to prepare. This teacher teacher is a genius because at home, we don't feel like that at all. Children to be moving through their day with. So there is something to that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, so hopefully some of that's helpful, but I have deep compassion for the, I need rest. I want it. I don't want to keep speeding through everything, but goodness gracious, I can't stop. You know, I have compassion for that because I was that person and I ended up hospitalized to stop. 
I was that person too. And I ended up hospitalized to stop. I got ascending cholangitis and got really Mm. sick. I think that your mission and your message to help others listen when it's a whisper and not a two by four. That's right. (laughs) I feel like you got to say that again. Listen when it is a whisper, not a two by four. (laughs) Just go ahead on listen right now. (laughs) (laughs) Octavia, I wonder if you could, I love hearing you read your words. I wonder if you could read us something else as we, as we land this beautiful plane, I would love to talk to you all day. Um, is there anything that you would love to read or, you know, the prayer for the liminal space? I would love that. Yeah. So this is in page 82 of the book. It's a prayer for liminal space. Goddess of the space in between. We thank you for being the wild and beautiful ocean that you are one that dwells between the shore of what was and what will be, one that connects us all to the place of our ancestors and the source of our future. We thank you that your waves are unceasing in their devotion to moving us toward liberation. We enter into your blue-bellied womb every beginning and after every ending. Let us not become trapped or caught up in the mystery and fear surrounding us. You who are not black or white, day or night, good or bad. When you come and swallow us in your luminous darkness, may we have the good sense to simply lie down, float for a while and dream. Let us dream of something new and ancient. Let us dream of nothing and everything in altering time. Let us dream of composting old things and planting seeds that will grow for generations to come. Let us dream of boundlessness even when we feel stuck and small. Let us dream of another world. And after all of that, baptize us in possibility and allow the breath of your water to call us awake. With eyes wide open, we reach shore. We begin. Miss Octavia Rahim, I want to say thank you for your work, for your presence in the world, for learning this lesson and translating it so beautifully into words that it it brings tears to my eyes. There's not, I mean, I love books and there are not a lot of written words that do that for me with mm-hmm. such regularity as your words. So I, my prayer is that so many will hear this message. So many will read this book. I'm going to give it to all of my friends. Um, <laughs> and I just want to say thank you. And, and may you um, be nourished and um, give from that abundant place for a long, long time. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Blessings.